We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. It's the week before Christmas, and I'd like to ask all of you, do you believe? Are you a believer in the story, in the ideas, in the message, in the reality, in the truth of Christmas? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is the rebellion. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to the rebellion. It's a week before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas, Christmas, Father Christmas, the babe born in a manger, would soon be there. Is this just a story that we tell children? Is it a fairy tale? Is it fake or is it real? Is it fake news or is it true history? Do you believe or do you doubt? Which category are you in? Are you agnostic? You just don't know. Are you an atheist? You're sure there is no Christmas, other than the contrived holiday that we've made up in Western civilization to celebrate the birth of Christ. Is all this stuff just interesting drama that was passed down to us from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke and the New Testament, the angels on the hills outside of Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph traveling there in the first place because there was a census in the land and they had to leave Nazareth and travel to the city of David, Bethlehem, the city of bread. Did you know that that's what Bethlehem means? The village of bread. That the bread of life, Jesus Christ himself, was born in a manger. The bread of life was born in the village of bread. Is this all just interesting folklore? Or is it the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament? The fulfillment of Isaiah? The fulfillment of the promise that was even given way back in Genesis? Is this true or not? Are you a believer? That's the topic of today's show. I'm going to circle back a little bit and talk about the story of flight 1140 that I shared with you last week because it's so pertinent. It's so pertinent. I want to repeat that story. I want you to get it. I want you to understand that that story is a bit of a dividing line. Are you on one side of that story or are you on the other? Because your answer to that question determines everything else. 
I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes after this break. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So today's show is about Christmas. A key question is, are you a believer? Before we get into the show, it is the Christmas season, and I'd like to remind you that there are a couple things that if you haven't purchased your gifts yet for everybody, I encourage you to go to your online bookstore, whether it be Barnes & Noble or whether it be Amazon.com or any other online resource for ordering your reading material. And consider buying a couple books. Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth is my national bestseller. I'll repeat that. Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. And then the sequel to that that came out a couple later, a couple years later, excuse me. It came out a couple years later. Actually, it was released this past April 2021 is titled Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Consider buying a few of those books, several copies of those books, as Christmas gifts if you're still wondering what to get and give. Now, if you'd like a book for free, I'm going to give you the way to accomplish that right now. Consider joining the Rebellion as a subscribing member. And you can do that by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. I'll repeat that. Patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. Consider becoming a subscribing member to The Rebellion, and we will send you a free copy of my first book, which was titled, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Okay, you've heard me talk of that on it, on this show. It uh, was my attempt to poke a stick in the eye of the progressive left that fancies themselves as being liberal, when in reality they're not. The conservative, the faithful, thoughtful, historical conservative is much more classically liberal than our left-of-center counterparts because we believe in liberty, we believe in freedom. We ground our march for justice in something objective and real. So we're the ones who stand for true justice because we believe there's a judge that can determine what's just. We're the ones who believe in liberty because we understand Chesterton's paradox of liberty and law and freedom and fences. The conservative is the classical liberal, not the progressive, because we believe in human liberty. And isn't that, isn't that, that truth, that reality that I just expressed, exposed in spades daily in the news as we watch the way we react to COVID? Are you a classical liberal where you believe and you will fight for freedom? Or are you an ideological fascist who believes everybody should be canceled and silenced, sequestered and quarantined physically, emotionally, and intellectually because they won't toe the party line? I, this, this book that I wrote, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, is a collection of essays that predicted this mess that we're in right now. So if you'd like a copy of that, I'll send you a copy if you subscribe 
to the rebellion and become a subscribing member. A subscribing member. At $20 or more a month. By going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. Okay, back to today's show. So last week I told you the story about flight... 1140, American Airlines Flight 1140. Now, the reason I told you that is essentially it was under, uh, this would have been the theme, even atheists should thank God for Christmas. Again, even that title is a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Atheists don't believe in God, but I'm suggesting that atheists should thank God for Christmas. Why? Well, like this passenger in 2015 on American Airlines Flight 1140 who disrupted the entire airplane, the entire uh, audience of passengers on the airplane by his juvenile temper tantrum over the fact that the flight attendant was just being gracious and going about and wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. It was December 23rd, Two days before Christmas 2015, and the flight attendant committed the unpardonable sin of wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. And as you know, Mr. Scrooge, our our little Ebenezer, shouted, you shouldn't say that. Not everybody celebrates Christmas. Well, after the flight attendant and the pilots and flight staff tried to calm down, our aggravated little traveler, you know, our uh, uh, Jack Frost just continued to shout, don't say Merry Christmas. He, he lectured the, t- the attendants, the pilot, and everybody else within earshot about the festive faux pas of wishing everybody a Merry Christmas during the Christmas season, because not everybody believes in Christmas. Apparently, he was among that minority. And when they finally couldn't calm him down, they actually forced him to leave the plane because he the plane couldn't take off because he was being so disruptive. And the entire audience of fellow passengers broke out in applause when the flight crew finally got this, this grumpy Gus off the plane. Well, as I told you last week, let's just consider the premise here. This guy is saying, don't say Merry Christmas because not everybody believes in Christmas. Not everybody, not everybody celebrates Christmas. Now, I've talked to you about the etymology of the word Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. Yes, it is a religious holiday. It's the celebration of the birth of Christ. It's not Buddha's Mass. It's not Muhammad's Mass. It's not Hare Krishna's Mass. It's Christ's Mass. It's not a syncretistic religion. It's Christianity. It focuses on Christ. It's not a religion of, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. No, it's not a, it's not a religion of, there are many paths up to the top of the mountain. It doesn't matter which path you choose. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. There's one way. He's the only way. He said that. I didn't. So Christmas is likewise a very exclusive holiday, just like the religion that it uh, 
celebrates, at least the birth, the founding of the religion on Christmas Day, is one of exclusivity. It's focused on Christ. So I, I'll, I agree with the grumpy traveler. Christmas is religious. Uh, we can secularize it, homogenize it, and patronize it all we want, but that doesn't make any difference. It's still Christ's Mass. But let's, uh, I think his fuss begs the question that I shared with you last week. Our first reaction when people fuss about this kind of stuff, whether it be the, the, uh, this grumpy traveler or whether it be people, you know, the cash registered kid at Starbucks or Target who says they can't say Merry Christmas. Our first reaction should be, well, what should we say then? And, and maybe even more specific, what would it look like if, if we didn't have Christmas? If we're going to expunge culture of Christmas, which is what you're suggesting we're supposed to do, what would it look like? What would life look like? What would the world look like? What would Western civilization look like? What would the United States of America look like? What would be, what would the, uh, what would the uh, dining area at Starbucks look like? What would the store in Target look like if, as Thomas Cahill said, the ideas and acts of Christmas had not been hurled across the centuries? And around the world. That's a quote from Cahill. What would, what would the world look like if these ideas and acts that come to us from Christ, from Christmas, hadn't been hurled across the centuries, the millennia, and around the world? It all started some 2,000 years ago. So whether you're a believer in the theology of Christmas, or if you're just a open-minded historian, like I said last week, you have to confess that the impact of Christmas, of the holy day, the holiday of Christ's Mass, it's pretty pronounced. At least, um, it's hard to argue against it. The fact of the matter is that the birth of Christ, the birth of Christ has dramatically changed the way we understand life, and the way we live it. I said last week, you've got the stories too, too numerous to count, and I rattled off a few. You have Saul of Tarsus, you have the Emperor Constantine. I mean, my land, Tarsus was a mur- excuse me, Saul of Tarsus was a murderer. He was executing, he was stoning, he was tracking down, he was hunting, literally hunting down Christians in the first days of the church. Saul was hunting them down and killing them. He was actually on his way to Damascus to do more of it when Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus. It changed Saul's life. This hunter of human beings, this chief executioner of the early Christians, became a leader of the church. Catholics still celebrate him as one of the two people holding the keys to the church. The other is Peter. So Christmas changed Saul to Paul. 
The Emperor Constantine is another person that was changed dramatically. Again, a debauched human being, an emperor of Rome, imbibing every sin that you can imagine, a murderer to the extreme, is changed into the man who released the church to do its good work rather than persecuted the church, killing it and its members one by one. So the story of Christmas changed Saul to Paul and an emperor who was bloodthirsty and debauched to Constantine, the man that we now accredit for releasing Christendom on the world. You have Wesley and Wilberforce. The story of Wilberforce, I'll tell that in greater detail in February because that's when we celebrate the abolition of the slave trade. Why was it abolished? Because of Wilberforce. He wouldn't relent. He argued on the floor of Parliament for over 20 years because of Christmas. Whitfield and Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. Go watch the movie that's out right now, The Most Reluctant Convert. That's C.S. Lewis. Millions of lives have been turned from deception and debauchery to compassion and love because of Christmas. I rattled off some historical facts last week. Greek and Roman cultures, they both stopped the practice of exposure. Exposure was the exposure of infants by leaving them in the garbage dump, the city dumps. If you didn't like the baby that was just born, probably because it was a girl and you wanted a boy, you just took the infant, the healthy infant, out to the garbage dump and you left it there to die either to die from exposure, the elements, the cold, dehydrated, no food, no water, or it would die because of predators, whatever roamed the dumps, coyotes, bears, whatnot. That was a common practice in Greek and Roman societies. It was stopped because of Christmas. Christ's Mass. The Celtics, the Prussians, the Aztecs, the Mayans. I mean, my land in California right now, we're teaching kids to elevate Aztec religion and chant Pancha Day, Pancha Day, Pancha Day, an Aztec chant to the Aztec God of human sacrifice. We're doing that in California schools right now and arguing for, arguing for a counter-genocide. Their language, because they don't like Christianity and what it's done to the United States. Be careful what you wish for. You may get it because the Aztecs and the, Maya, and the Mayans practice human sacrifice. They've got a God for it. This was stopped because of Christmas. Sexual fidelity and the respect for marriage were normalized in the Roman Empire and throughout the entire West because of Christ's Mass, Christmas. Women used to be considered property and chattel during the days of the Roman Empire. Why did that change? Because of Christmas, the message of Christ, the elevation of all people. We are neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian, male or female in the body of Christ. Everybody is the Imago Dei, made in the image of God. I mean, charity for the poor, the elderly, We had old folks' homes, the poorhouses, 
We had orphanages, all established by Christians, because in the past, if you weren't fortunate enough to have a family that had the inclination to take care of you, you were just left. But no, Christians said, no, we need to take care of the sick and the elderly. And even the young who don't have parents any longer, the orphans. We need to take care of them because they are uniquely created by God in his image. Child labor laws during the Industrial Revolution were changed because of Christmas. The argument for private property and economic freedom in the United States was because of Christmas. The dignity of labor, of work, the Protestant work ethic, That whatever you do, whether it's digging ditches or preaching at the pulpit, it's all, it's all part of doing the work of God. That all work has dignity. Civil rights and private property, as I said. Racial equality that we're now abandoning. We don't believe in racial equality any longer. We're judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. The further we step away from the message of Christmas, the belief in Christmas, the belief in Christmas, the more degradation we see. Christmas changed the world. Matthew 121, his name shall be called Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, we, we always read that as if it's save ourselves from our own individual sins, which is true for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and the wages of sin is death. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. These are verses that apply to ourselves, individual sin, Demands, requires individual repentance. But here's the other side of the story of Christmas. Not only did Jesus give us a way to be forgiven for our own sins, he also provided a worldview that saved us from the sins of others. The sins of untold others who before the birth of Christ, before Christmas, would have ignored us, used us, enslaved us, oppressed us, and even killed us in the halls of their governments and even on the altars of their gods. So if you know anybody that's in this group of atheists who say, don't say Merry Christmas, not everybody practices it, not everybody believes in Christmas, I'd suggest that everyone, even atheists, ought to thank God for Christmas. So in the closing few minutes here, I want to challenge you. If you're on the fence, if you don't know, if you believe this story. We've got a pillow in our house. My wife puts it out every Christmas season. It's a big red pillow that she puts out on the chase and it just has white letters embroidered across the face of the red pillow and it says believe. So that's the message to leave you with today. I'm a believer. Like, 
steal the words of the old Dr. Pepper <laughs> commercial. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Well, I'm a believer. Thousands of people have been believers. Wouldn't you like to be a believer too? Believe in what you say? Well, believe, believe in the primacy of Jesus Christ, that he is the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, and the life, the great I am, that he is the word made flesh, that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us, that he's everything the Bible says he is and that he says he is. I mean, this is pretty clear in Scripture, people. It's not ambiguous. He, we're told in the Bible the record of Jesus Christ, that he is Savior and King. He's called that, that he is Lord and God. He's called those two things, that he is the Lion of Judah, that he's the Lamb of God, that he's your Redeemer, your Guide, your peace, your joy, your comfort, your life, and your light. We need to believe these things. Why? Because he proved it by his resurrection. I have a tendency to believe people who rise from the dead. Josephus records the fact of the resurrection. Non-Christians have recorded that. Believe that he is risen, that he is incarnate in the story of Christ, that he is the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega. The lens through which we look at everything and the Lord of our daily lives. Believe in the primacy of Jesus Christ. Believe in the Bible, that it's true. It's not transient. It just doesn't change. It doesn't move all the time. It's a true north, stable. Everything revolves around it in the universal sky of our existence. The Bible's inspired. It's not constructed. It's accurate. It's not relative. Hide it in your heart and proclaim it with your mouth. It's inspired and breathed by God himself. There's a reason that Jesus calls himself the Word of God. It's because the revelation, the Word, the revealed Word is synonymous with Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and there was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the story of Christmas. That word is written down in your Bible. During this Christmas season, go read the story of Christmas in Luke. Go read the story of Christmas in Matthew and believe Believe in the primacy of Christ. Believe in the priority of Scripture. Believe in pursuing truth, not making it up as you go. And then finally, do something about it. Believe in practicing what you preach. Believe in the wisdom of action. There's so much more I could say on all of that. But today I just want to start out this last week before Christmas by saying, Merry Christmas and long live the true king. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.